thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Salt and Light, where we'll cover foundational principles for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Enjoy this episode with ears to hear and hearts that listen. So let's go check the facts with your host, also known as my dad, Casey Harrison. Welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to another episode here at Salt and Light Ministries where our mission is to boldly illuminate genetically altered Christianity and replace it with a firm foundation with God while empowering disciples to disciple. And we just came out of a series called Foundations, where we talked about tearing down your trailer of religion and building up your house of relationship. And we used the example of actually building a house as to what it would look like for us to build a house of relationship with God. And so far, we've only covered the foundation, you know, digging it out and getting something concrete that'll make the house unmovable. And last week, we turned to our toolbox to see what tools God gave us to help us build our house of relationship with Him. And the tool we talked about last week was the blueprint. Every well-built house needs a good blueprint. And God gave us the best blueprint ever. Designed by the master architect, and that blueprint is the Bible. Well, this week we're going to learn about another external tool that God gave us to assist in building our house of relationship with Him. And that's the crew. That's right, other people. But Casey, how are other people tools that God uses to help us build a house relationship with Him? I'm glad you asked. And that's exactly what we're going to answer here today. People is just the plural of the word person. And a person is a being that has certain capabilities such as reason and morality. So when you bring a lot of persons together, you have people, and those people are considered to be a community. More specifically to you, your community, and the people around you. They come in various shapes and sizes, with different talents and abilities. And I believe it's pretty safe to say that there's two types of people in this world. People with good intentions and people with bad intentions. These are not mutually exclusive to any one person. Both types of people can have good or bad intentions depending on the situation that a person is put into. And God uses all of these people in community as a tool to help us build a relationship with Him. Some people might ask, well, Casey, why can't it just be me and the Lord? I mean, it's my relationship with Him. No one else has anything to do with it. And that would be a fair point, except for the fact that God created us to be in community. He did not create us to be alone. Genesis 2.18 says it best. Then the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. That's wonderful. Because God continued that statement through his actions of creating a woman. Now keep in mind, God didn't create the woman in the same way that he created the man. God created woman out of man. Genesis 2.21 So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. So God took a part of Adam out and made Eve. That brings up the question, why did God use a part of Adam to make Eve? Why didn't he just form the woman of the dust of the earth in the same way that he formed Adam? That's a good question. And to answer that question, I would say that God created woman out of a man so that neither one of them could be independent from the other. And neither one of them could be complete without the other. God gave Adam and Eve the ability to be two parts of the same being. And then he gave them the ability to multiply and have children, to create in the same way that the Father does. We are in his image. We are in his likeness. 
because when Adam and Eve can create and have a son, then all of a sudden we have the representation of God's completeness, God's perfection. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Man, woman, child. It's a great expression. Individual abilities, individual thoughts, individual emotions, individual actions all come together to make a single being. Genesis 2.24 Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Well, that's wonderful, Casey. You just gave us the definition of marriage according to God. Woohoo! Uh, yeah. And no. You see, I just gave you God's definition of community. Or better yet, God's definition of relationship. And relationships aren't just between a husband and wife. They're not just between family members. We cultivate relationships every day through friendships, co-workers, people at church that we run into. In fact, every time we speak to someone, we're entering into a new opportunity for a relationship. And remember at the beginning of this, I said there are people with good intentions and bad intentions. Well, those types of people are the people that you're going to get into relationships with. And there's only two types of relationships that you're ever going to have in this world. And that's healthy relationships and harmful relationships. And this is how powerful God is. God uses both types, healthy and harmful, for your benefit if you're a child of God. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. God allows us to be in these types of relationships, healthy and harmful, for one simple reason. It's to further our relationship with him and to point us towards God. So let's look at these different types of relationships and the people behind these relationships. First, we're going to look at the harmful relationships. How are these people tools to help us build our relationship with God? Simple. If someone's choices are harming you, then they're already being a tool. They're being a jerk. And if you've been in enough harmful relationships over the course of your life and you stay in them long enough, you're going to get fed up. You're going to reach your limit of, I've had enough. And when you reach that limit of, I've had enough, you're going to start searching for healthier relationships. And frankly, if I'm going to be honest, the only healthy relationship a person can have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you have to find people that are showing the love of Christ and that have that relationship with Jesus. So when you're in a harmful relationship and that harmful person pushes you too far, you seek out a better relationship, a healthy relationship. You seek out God ultimately. So that's how God uses harmful relationships and harmful people. That actually took longer than I thought it would. So now let's dive into the healthy relationships and how God uses those. The best example of a healthy relationship we have is actually the relationship between Jesus and mankind. What do I mean? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then Jesus goes on to say in John 10.10 that a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, which is Satan. But I, Jesus, have come to give you life and to give it more abundantly. So a healthy relationship with Jesus equals blessings and life instead of a relationship with Satan that equals death and cursing. Not only that, the healthy relationship with Jesus is life more abundantly. That means overflowing to where it impacts the people around you. That's the type of healthy relationship with a person that leads to a relationship with God. And Jesus is that person. In fact, John 14, 6 I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
The relationship between Jesus and mankind is the model that God intended for us to follow with the people around us in order for us to build the house of relationship with him. Now, going into this next verses, I love the way God does it because that whole blueprint we were talking about last week is right here. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23, the writer of Hebrews is talking to people that have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And he goes on to write, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened up for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confidence of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. Does that sound familiar to anybody? This blueprint for a relationship? Because it sounds like the foundation series we just came out of. Check out where Hebrews 10 says, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience? That's mirroring Romans 12 too. Be not conformed to this world, but be therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The renewing of your mind is what sprinkles clean your heart from that evil conscience. And in order to renew your mind, the action has to be the basics. And we learned about that in episode one. In Hebrews, it also says, and our bodies washed with pure water, which mirrors Romans 12, 1b. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. That is your reasonable service. And in order to present your body a living sacrifice, which in essence washes your body clean with the pure water, that requires salvation and submitting to sovereignty. Episodes 3 through 9. And here Hebrews says, Let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. I mean, that's faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Holding fast the confession of hope and not wavering? That takes boldness. That takes stability. That takes foundation. That takes allowing the Holy Spirit to be that blazing light. That takes salt and light that Jesus talked about in Matthew. And we talked about that in episode two. Everything we talked about in this ministry so far up to this point is examined right here in the Bible. This is your blueprint for relationship. I didn't go over that to review the past lessons. I went over that to show you how the Bible is a blueprint for your relationship with God. And more importantly, to set up the context for verses 24 and 25, where the same writer is talking about how people are to be used as external tools that God gave us. Let's read it. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. God gave us people to stir us up. In fact, the Greek word for to stir up here is paroxymus, literally means to provoke, to incite. In other words, God gave us people around us to make us uncomfortable sitting still, to call us out when we need to be acting on the word instead of just talking about the word, specifically acting out the love of good works. What's the first way God uses people as tools in our lives? To provoke us to be doers of the love of good works. And if you want to understand what the love of good works is there in verse 24, it's three Greek words. 
Agape, Kalos, and Ergon. Love, Agape, brotherly love, goodwill, affection. Good being Kalos, which is genuine, morally good, and honorable. Works, which is Ergon, an act, deed, something done. I put them together as Kalos Agape Ergon, which would mean to genuinely act out goodwill towards others. And in order to genuinely act out goodwill towards others, you've got to get together with them and be in community. You can't neglect meeting together. If you neglect the opportunity to come together with other believers, you're just hearing and hoarding the good news that God gave you. You're not sharing it. And James 1.22 says it best, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. If you're going to actually do good works, then you need to genuinely act out the goodwill of the word of God and not just hear about it and keep it to yourself. And that takes action. In fact, to be in community takes an action. It takes doing. And you can't have relationships without action. And the more you get around people, the easier it gets. Because the more practice you have at something, the more that something becomes a part of who you are. Healthy relationships. In fact, I'll give you an example from my own personal experience about how God used healthy relationships to provoke me. A little bit over a year ago, I'd say, uh, God started working on me and giving me a more defined vision for the calling that he had on my life. And he told me to start a podcast. I didn't, I don't mean I heard an audible voice. This was just a sense inside of me that I couldn't shake and I couldn't let go of. God was saying, you know, I want you to start a podcast and get this message out to people that need it. Well, for the longest time, I kept telling God, no. Why? Because I thought no one wanted to hear me. No one wants to hear what God tells me to say. He's already said it in the Bible. I'm not formally educated. I'm not good enough. I'm unqualified. I've only had a few classes in this school of ministry that I've been going to. I don't have any degrees. I don't have any letters after my name. No one is going to want to hear what I have to say. And during this entire time, I continued to study God's word and study his teachings. And I limited the ability of the Holy Spirit to work through my hands through that entire process. I was becoming a dam storing up God's word and not a river letting it flow. And the main reason behind that was I was just scared. I was scared of rejection. I was scared and submitted to fear. That was until I went to this youth camp with RFA Youth Ministry this past year. The pastor with RFA Youth, his name is Pastor Pepper. And I don't remember what he was preaching, to be honest with you. Not at this particular time, because God was too busy knocking me upside the back of my head, telling me I needed to say yes to him. And frankly, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to do it. And this is how God used somebody else as a tool. Because another man of God that was there at that camp, who I respect, provoked me into the next steps of faith of starting this podcast. He came up to me and he started holding me accountable to step out and do what God told me to do. God used that person as a tool to provoke action to good work. In the same way that God used the judges back in the book of Judges and the Old Testament to bring his people back to him when they would start to go astray. And do you know that it still took me time after that camp to get this thing started? I came back and got things set up and started to quote unquote work on things, but it took God using a second person to really provoke me into action. And that person that God chose to use was my wife. And by a simple phrase that she said, Things aren't working for you, Casey, because you haven't done what God told you to do. 
And then I would come up with every excuse again and I would tell her why I couldn't do it or why I wasn't ready to do it. And she would come back with these Holy Ghost one-liners knocking down every excuse that I had until ultimately I allowed myself to be used by God. And what I really had to do was submit to sovereignty and allow God to do things the way he wanted to do them instead of the way I thought they should look. The bottom line is when you get closer to God's people, you get closer to God. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Healthy relationships. You want to get closer to God? Get closer to godly people. Let them speak into your life even when you don't want to hear it. And through those healthy relationships, through those healthy people, God's going to use them to provoke action in your life through two methods. And those methods are accountability and encouragement. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 speaks to accountability. Two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is all alone when he falls, for he has no one to help pick him up. And Ephesians 4, 29 speaks to encouragement. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for the building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. God will use the people in your life to help you build your house of relationship with Him. But only if you're doing life with them. Only if you're involved. Only if you're stepping out and giving action to the relationship. Similar to Acts chapter 2, right? The early church, Acts 2, 44 through 45. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had the need. Now, I'm not saying do you go and sell all your stuff and give them to everybody in your church. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that you have to actively stay connected to godly groups of people. And when you actively stay connected to those godly groups of people, they will paroxymus you. They will stir you up. Because they become your crew in building your house of relationship with God. Look, you can go to any job site and you go on that job site and you're going to see people yelling at each other, but you're also going to see people helping each other. Why are they yelling at each other? Well, there's probably some correction going on. Why are they helping each other? Because that's the encouragement behind it. You get your help and you get encouraged to keep doing your job. The crew is another tool that God gave you in building your house of relationship with him. You are not, nor will you ever be alone even when you think that you are. Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, do not be afraid. For the Lord your God, He is the one that goes with you, and He will not leave you nor forsake you. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching about the crew and the crew that God gave us to help us build our house of relationship with Him. The crew is the second external tool in your toolbox. People in your community are here to help you in the same way that you're here to help them. If you found that these episodes have helped you or you want to help send out this message to other people, I want to give you the opportunity to partner with this ministry by visiting our Facebook page, Salt and Light Ministries, Building Relational Disciples with Casey Harrison, and click on the Learn More button. Or you can visit the podcast homepage, saltandlight.buzzsprout.com. 
then click on the little heart at the top of the screen. Then I hope that you tune in next week and learn about another one of God's tools that he gave us in our toolbox. Until then, be bold, be strong, and be blessed.